President Biden visiting Israel, of course, giving way too much clout to the Palestinians. The Palestinians, they're not just like the stepchild. The Palestinians, they're like the stowaway. Palestinians are like the squeegee guy that you meet at the intersection trying to squeegee your windshield. Uh, meanwhile, Danny Danone blasted Biden in an op-ed. We'll get to that coming up. And Biden took questions from reporters. Breaking news. Rare occurrence. Biden actually took questions from reporters. But he admitted that, I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. But, but Biden admitted that he was given a cheat sheet, a list of reporters to, that he should call on. So he finally takes questions from reporters. And the whole thing is staged. All the details on the Biden trip to Israel coming up. Inflation. Getting even worse, not better. New inflation numbers are out, staggering new numbers, not getting better, getting worse. The White House doctor who served under both Trump and Obama, Obama's own White House doctor says when he warned the country that Biden may have dementia, he was actually slammed by Obama. I mean, instead of getting a thank you, I mean, this is a bombshell. Obama actually blasted Ronnie Jackson, the White House physician, who said, listen, I just want to warn the country back in 2020. I don't think Biden's all there. Um, the U.S. has spent, do you know that to date, the U.S. has spent more on the war in Ukraine than on the first five years in Afghanistan. The first five years after invading Afghanistan, the U.S. has actually spent more in Ukraine over the last, what, six, less than six months than the first five years in Afghanistan. So we will get to all of that coming up. Plus, a listener asked me the following question. Do I want Trump? Trump announced Trump is going to be running again in 2024. And I'm not surprised. I'm sure you're not either. We knew Trump was going to run. He, 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 can't, he can't stay away if he tried. But the question is, do I want Trump to run again in 2024? Would I prefer a different Republican candidate, somebody less controversial. So I will tell you my thoughts on that coming up. This past Sunday on Meet the Press, it is egregious. Chuck Todd and others on NBC's Meet the Press, these leftist media, fake news media people, he openly wished for Trump to die. Yes, I'm going to play you the clip. Both Chuck Todd, the host, and one of the panelists on NBC's Meet the Press said that the only answer is Death is for Trump to die. They literally said that they're they're just waiting. The, the man, he's they, they they just can't function. Washington just can't go on because Trump is never going to accept losing. So the only answer is for him to die. Listen to this clip. If he runs, will somebody explain to me how he accepts losing? Yeah, uh, that's that's a, you know the answer big, to that question. That's a big conundrum. Look, I think there's probably maybe a fifteen percent chance he doesn't run. But but very likely he's in. It seems like all but these people say, told yeah, you yeah, was death. Right, right. That was the only that answer. Was there is, how the many only, times did you? The only that? plan we have this is another Republican congressman, a former Republican congressman. I said, look, we have no plan for this except sitting around hoping he dies. It's unbelievable. And the clip begins with Rich Lowry, who's supposed to be a conservative. I'll get to him in a moment. But Chuck Todd, he's saying, listen, Trump, he's never going to accept that he loses. This is catastrophic because in 2024. Trump's going to lose again. That's what they're predicting. How do they know that? They know that because they know that if there's mail-in ballots, that they'll be able to rig the election again and commit all sorts of fraud. But Chuck Todd says so. The, those were his words. He listened carefully to that clip. Chuck Todd, the host, says the only answer is death. And then one of the panelists said, yeah, we're just sitting around hoping for him to die. Now, imagine that. That's what he said, hoping for him 
to die. Now, imagine if Fox News or imagine if Don Jr. or Trump himself said that about a Democrat, said that they're sitting around hoping for a Democrat to die. I mean, uh, Fox would like to be suspending people. Um, You'd have sponsors. You'd have all sorts of campaigns, boycotts. Sponsors would be pulling their ads. But like NBC says it, and you don't even hear about it. I mean, this story was so underreported, it's reprehensible. Meanwhile, Rich Lowry, very, very egregious that Rich Lowry, who's supposed to be a conservative, he's he's like the editor-in-chief of National Review, and uh, you know he's the token conservative on this show. If he's even on NBC, then that, that shows you where he really stands. He's obviously not, you know, he's more of like a, like a George Will, like New York Times type of conservative, but, but, but he's just sitting there, kind of nodding, seeming to agree, doesn't object. I mean, here they're talking about sitting around waiting for Trump to die, and you have a Republican uh, sitting there as part of the panel and just not saying a word, not, not, not even interjecting or saying, hey guys, you know, that, what, what, what are you doing? I mean, that, that's disturbing. By the way, the fact that they're even having the thought, I, I don't have those thoughts. I feel bad that Biden is in, in such bad, physical and mental shape that's something I, I have pity on the man you know but I, I i don't sit around and have those horrific thoughts about people all right so let's talk about the biden trip to israel where you know he's acting all friendly he's not a friend of israel biden is not a friend this is the man who restored funding to the palestinians hundreds of millions of dollars which i don't understand why it's not illegal because they passed the taylor force act which literally prevents um, funding from going to the Palestinians. But somehow Biden circumvented that. That money is used, as we told you, to fund terror attacks. Biden put pressure on Israel to freeze settlement construction. I mean, as somebody once said, Mark Levin once said this, Biden, he, he, he thinks he's Israel's HUD secretary, Housing Urban Development Secretary, because who who are you? You're an American president. He, he started doing this already as VP. Who are you to tell Israel you have no right to construct apartment units, housing units in these areas. This is uh, disputed territory. This is occupied territory, whatever nonsense reason they have. Who, who do you think you are? I mean, does Israel come to America and tell people where they can uh, construct uh, housing and when they can, where they cannot? But uh, that, that, that's what Biden did. He tried to pressure them to freeze settlement construction. They mostly ignored him. Uh, Biden visited, and by the way, the Israelis have been appeasing the Palestinians in uh, in advance of Biden's visit. In preparation for Biden coming to visit, they're trying to like act all friendly and cozy with the Palestinians with with Mahmoud Abbas. By the way, Biden he visited Palestinian sites in East Jerusalem, which is something that Ob- even Obama did not do. Um, which is totally undermining, you know, Trump's embassy move. Trump finally recognized Jerusalem as the undisputed capital of Israel. And then you have Biden going and visiting Palestinian sites in East Jerusalem, which is egregious. I'm going to get to more of that in a moment because Danny Danone actually blasted Biden for that. Biden announced when he landed in Israel, he said he supports the two-state solution. Now, uh, can I just tell you, I've been here. The two-state solution is the biggest sham it, it It is this, like, ridiculous, fake talking point, this, like, shiny object, the two-state solution. And it's meaningless. And I mean that on both sides because the Palestinians, even they don't want a two-state solution because all I've been hearing for 30 years is the two-state solution. By the way, Jared Kushner and Trump you know, and, and the Abraham Accords, that was all about a real two-state solution, a, a, a really a practical, realistic one, where they give the Palestinians—nobody's giving—the Palestinians are not getting 
half of Jerusalem. Okay, that's not going to happen. They were offered it, by the way. And and, and Yasser Arafat actually rejected it. But the, the Palestinians are not getting half of Jerusalem. They're not getting the, 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 the settlements back in Judea and Samaria. That is not happening. Okay, so the two-state solution, meaning we go back to pre-67 borders, it's not going to happen. I'd be like giving Texas back to Mexico. It's been like 50-something 50, 50 years. So this whole thing, all I've been hearing for 30 years, two-state solution, two-state solution, there's never been like even one shred of a two-state solution. It's literally this like meaningless talking point that they throw around and it's like supposed to sound all impressive. Oh, we support Israel, but we still support the Palestinians, so this is the great compromise. Nobody has done a thing toward a two-state solution on either side. You think Mahmoud Abbas, Mahmoud Abbas serving his like 18th year of a four-year term as 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 head of the PA, as president of the PA. Literally, no exaggeration. So uh, you think that man wants a two-state solution? Neither side has any interest. It would be the worst. It would be terrible for Israel to give the Palestinians their own sovereign state, but it would be even worse for the Palestinians. You think the Palestinians, whose government is totally corrupt, who they don't have any infrastructure, the unemployment rate is off the charts. I mean, they, you know, they don't have their own water. They don't have their own electricity. They have they have no means whatsoever of running a country. They certainly cannot secure their own land. I mean, the, the Israelis basically provide security for the Palestinians, which is crazy. It, 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 it's bizarre. But that's a fact. So you really believe that, like, the Palestinians could have their own state? I mean, the place would crumble. They would attack Israel right away, and then Israel would swallow them up. And Trump and Kushner, you know, they arranged it where, like, the Palestinians would actually get a state of their own, but it wouldn't be the borders that they want, but at least, you know, they would get their own sovereign nation. And, of course, you know, that was rejected. By the way, that was, you know, supported by the Saudis and by uh, other Gulf states. So, you know, bottom line. Now, here I want to tell you about some of the concessions that the Israelis made in preparation for Biden's visit to kind of like appease Biden, which, you know, that's the the leftist Israeli government, uh, the, the, or lack thereof, because the government is all right now, it, it, it's almost like non-existent. It's just this interim government. But Israel, they take they took steps to build trust with the Palestinians. They froze construction on 2,000 units in East Jerusalem. So they were planning to do construction on 2,000 units in East Jerusalem, and they're still going to do it, it sounds like, but they pressed pause. We're going to wait. We're not going to have the conversation uh, until after Biden leaves. So it's just kind of like a game, like, uh, all right, guys, wink, wink, let's not talk about the 2,000 units that we're going to construct in East Jerusalem. Oh, by the way, those are units for both the Jews and the Arabs, both for, both for Israelis and Arabs. But, like, everyone, wink, wink, Biden's here, so let's not discuss East Jerusalem. Meanwhile, uh, Israel's granting an additional 1,500 work permits to residents of Gaza, total number of Gazans who ha- who have work permits to work in Israel legally is over 15,000 right now, and they're adding 1,500 work permits. Those residents of Gaza, that to me is how you invite terrorists. We know many of the terrorists over the last few months in Israel, they're in Israel on work permits. They sneak in, uh, they basically sneak into the Palestinian territory, and they don't even belong there, and then they get work permits to work in Israel, and then some of them carry out terror attacks, so... To me, that's very dangerous, every work permit that you add, but that's what they're doing. And they're allowing 5,500 Arab residents without legal status to be registered as Palestinians. Um, meanwhile, Israel approved six new construction projects, Palestinian construction projects in Judea and Samaria. So, look, it's about optics. I'm sure a lot of this stuff the Israelis would have done anyway, but they, they timed it for now because they want to appease Biden, pander to Biden. But it's, like, outrageous. I mean, don't tell me that Biden—I mean, Biden is not— 
deciding foreign policy, you know, for Israel. It's ridiculous. And, and Biden, you know, it's all about a leftist agenda. It's all about propping up the Palestinians after after Trump did, you know, such a, an amazing job at uh, crushing the Palestinians. Now Biden, of course, is giving them this whole resurrection and resurgence, just like he's doing with Iran. It's so frustrating because here Trump, he, he squashed all the these, – these are evil, evil terrorist states, and Trump squashed them, and now all of his work, of course, is being uh, unraveled. And now Danny Danone, former Israeli ambassador, um, blasted Biden in a scathing op-ed because he says that Biden's doing something that's so extreme, so beyond the pale, that even Obama – even Obama didn't do this – um, Biden's itinerary, he's becoming the first American president ever to visit symbolic Palestinian Authority institutions in East Jerusalem. So even Obama never went to because pal- the Palestinians do have sovereignty over certain little sections of East Jerusalem. And Biden visiting um, Palestinian institutions in East Jerusalem, Danone is furious. He says even Obama and Obama was extremely uh, anti-Israel and extremely pro-Palestinian. And even he did not visit PA institutions in East Jerusalem. I'm going to read you a quote here from this uh, op-ed. Quote, the Biden administration has already done much to appease the Palestinians, namely by taking steps to reopen the U.S. consulate to the PA in Jerusalem. The very deliberate and unusual act of a visit to East Jerusalem, undertaken by no other president, not even Obama, will undoubtedly only further encourage Palestinians' already rampant rejectionism of Israel, cultivate extremist fantasies that Jews can be uprooted from their eternal capital that would erode the very fragile peace that exists in the Middle East and within Israel itself. This is a short-sighted and dangerous move by President Biden. It simply adds fuel to an already raging fire. Um, End quote. And uh, Biden is visiting the Saudis. Next, he's going to go to Saudi Arabia. And of course, he's going to hang out with MBS, Mahmoud bin Salman or Mohammed bin Salman. Now, my problem with that is that uh, Biden's a hypocrite. It's it, it's totally hi- total hypocrisy for him to meet with to meet with MBS, who killed Jamal Khashoggi, because Biden called the Saudis a pariah. Biden criticized Trump for meeting with MBS, and uh, and look, these are the Saudis. I'm not a fan of the Saudis. Yes, Jared Kushner got very friendly with MBS. I think he still is. I think he's getting a lot of Saudi money invested into Israel. And uh, obviously, Jared Kushner made the weapons deals with the Saudis and everything else. Your enemy's enemy is your friend. So we're not we don't like the Saudis. The Saudis are guilty of egregious human rights violations. The Saudis that, you know, they were behind 9-11 or certainly very instrumental in the 9-11 attacks. MBS, he tortures like members of his own royal family, this is a very bad man. But here's the problem. The Saudis and the United States and Israel all have this common enemy, Iran, okay? So they join together because we have no choice, okay? You hold your nose and you work with MBS because it's it's in your own best interest. It's the sad reality. If you, you want to just ignore him, then you're just biting yourself. But here's the problem. The problem is that Biden... He bashed Trump. I don't like the hypocrisy. And we see this kind of thing all the time. You bash Trump for meeting with MBS and you say, you know, how can you meet with this pariah? And then, of course, you become president and you meet with this pariah. And it's the same thing. We, we see this so many times, especially with Democrats, where they'll make a promise. They'll criticize the Republican, make a promise not to be like that. Then they become president and do the exact same thing. And the whole thing, it was just an empty promise. It, it was just something they said to you know tell whatever lie they need in order to get elected, right? So 
Biden he, he and, and Obama pledged to close Guantanamo Bay. Then they, uh, because of all the horrible things supposedly going on in Guantanamo Bay, which are not true, by the way. And then, of course, they renege on their promise because they know that it's a terrible idea. Once they become president, hey, how can you close Guantanamo Bay? How can you allow the most evil terrorists on the planet to go free? But that didn't stop them from criticizing the Republican, whether it's Bush or Trump, pledging to do it. And then, of course, they do the exact same thing that the Republican was doing. You know, same thing when they say Biden said he's going to shut down COVID. Um, He's going to shut down COVID, right? And COVID is still raging out of control and covid uh killed far far more people under biden than it did according to and that's according to biden's own numbers and th- th- than it did under trump but trump was the bad guy biden gets a total pass and uh biden said that he was shut he would shut down covid he didn't but by the way trump did so much more to fight covid than biden ever did all right um other news of the day new york times headline the ir get this you, you know we told you about this scandal, which to me is a non-scandal, that uh, the IRS conducted audits on James Comey and Andrew McCabe, enemies of Trump. And uh, here's a New York Times headline. IRS conducted intense audits against Comey and McCabe, who infuriated Trump. Infuriated Trump. There's your line in the, in, in the Times, this headline. IRS conducted intense audits against Comey and McCabe, who infuriated Trump. They make it as though like... Trump got angry at them. Trump had a personal gripe against them. Infuriate. It's like somebody comes and beats you up, you know, and and, and they say, oh, you know, that person really infuriated you. Wow, you seem really infuriated with that. You're angry at that guy. He beat me up. I mean, somebody comes and steals your car, right? And uh, you take revenge on the person who infuriated. He didn't infuriate. You know, somebody steals your money. Uh, yeah, like, like somebody, like, does something terrible to you. Well, that person really infuriated. And then you go and you retaliate. Oh, you, he really infuriated you, making it sound as though, like, you got angry. Like, you had no recent justification to get angry. Wow, you really got angry with that person. I mean, McCabe and Comey, aside from the, the fact that they basically committed treason, I mean, they, they targeted Trump. They spied on Trump. I'm not going to rehash all of this over again. But they turned Trump into a monster, made up all sorts of lies about Trump, totally delegitimized his presidency, got him impeached, got him impeached, you know, you know uh, charged Michael Flynn with lying to, to investigators, made his life miserable. Roger Stone, the, you know, the list uh, The list goes on and on of all of the uh, Trump associates that got uh, targeted by Comey and McCabe. And by the way, then Comey, he refused to even announce. Trump was not even a target of the investigation. Don't forget Manafort and, and, and Comey refused to announce, refused to, to exonerate Trump, even though he knew that Trump did nothing wrong. So, yeah, yeah they infuriated Trump, but they infuriated Trump because they destroyed the man, or at least they attempted to destroy the man, and the Times makes it sound as though like this is like some kind of personal vendetta the Trump had. All right, so a listener asked me the following question: Do I do I want Trump to run in twenty twenty four? There's a new poll out. Most voters don't want Biden to run again. No surprise there. Most voters don't want Trump to run again either. More more voters I think want Trump than want Biden, but voters don't want either one. They want new candidates. So look, Biden's a disaster, obviously. Um, I would love for Biden to run again because, I mean, he'll lose by a landslide. The, the, the man, I'd be surprised if he wins his home, home state of Delaware. But, uh, leave, you know, leaving out the possibility of election fraud. The question is, what about Trump? Does Trump have too much baggage? What about all the nasty tweets? What about January 6th? What about the impeachment? I want to mention, and, and this is very important. It's a great question. And I, I, it's the important, the answer is very important because 
we have to know, we have to understand your two choices over here. I think that people don't realize, you know, what exactly the two options are. I think they think that there's like a good option. Like if Trump doesn't run and another candidate runs, well, we have all the positives, but none of the negatives. I don't agree. I don't think that's true. But before that, I just want to mention it's not at all about January 6th. Anybody who tells you that, oh, I don't want Trump again, it's because of January 6th. There's nobody who supported Trump, was loyal to Trump, thought that Trump was a successful, great winning president. And then January 6th is like, oh, you know, wow, I was so supportive of Trump. And then January 6th, maybe you'll find like a few random people. Anybody who uses January 6th, they're using it as an excuse. They already did not like Trump because what's January? Trump had nothing to do with January 6th. He, he, he wanted, he called for peaceful protests. He called for 10,000 National Guard troops. Nancy Pelosi was the one who declined that. Nancy Pelosi left the Capitol wide open, totally did not secure the Capitol. Trump, nobody believed. Yeah, I understand that he got a little, you know, carried away. He was very upset. And who can blame him? Because if you believe the election was stolen, Obviously, you're going to do anything you can to try to protest, but it's not about January 6th. I mean, look at you, you know, look at all these Republicans. You say, well, look at all these Republicans who disliked Trump when he was president. They supported him, of course, of course, because when he was president, everybody hopped on his bandwagon. They weren't going to mess with the president. People despised him. Mitt, Mitt, Mitt Romney, right? Um, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, these people couldn't stand Trump. Suddenly, Trump becomes president. Now they're his best friend. Then Trump is gone and, and now they can't stand him anymore. You know, Attorney General Barr. I'm not sure what to make of Attorney General Barr. But it's really, for most people, it's not about January 6th. I mean, Paul Ryan, Lindsey Graham, Liz Cheney, you know, never liked Trump. I mean, George Bush, Jeb Bush. So these Republicans, they're going to use January 6th as an excuse, but they did not like Trump at any time. And when he was president, they were just opportunistic. But here's the real question. The question that I was asked is, wouldn't it be better if you have a different candidate, if you have a Ron DeSantis or a uh, Mike Pence, wouldn't that be better because you get the same conservative policies but without the baggage? So, uh, or Ted Cruz for that matter. So you get the same benefits, but you don't get all the negativity. You don't get January 6th. You don't get the nasty tweets. And here's my answer. Number one, the media is going to be vicious. We, people think that, like, if, if some other Republican runs, somehow the media is going to be easy, go, go easy on them. The media is going to be positive. The media is vicious. It doesn't matter who the Republican candidate is. People have short memories. The media, if it's Ron DeSantis, the media will crush Ron DeSantis. They already vilify him. Remember his legislation in Florida banning certain gender subjects to be taught in schools, and the media is giving DeSantis a very hard time about that. I mean, if it's Ted Cruz, Ted, Ted Cruz, the media... I mean, they were they, they they were devastating against Ted Cruz, accusing him of like wanting to hurt sick people. Ted Cruz tried to defund Obamacare. And oh, man, the media, they were vicious against Ted Cruz. Um, by the way, there was a headline last week saying that DeSantis is actually worse than Trump. So they're already sensing that DeSantis is uh, a possible front runner. And uh, they're calling DeSantis worse than Trump, believe it or not. There's a headline literally said DeSantis is worse than Trump. And Ben Shapiro said, I told you so. I told you this was going to happen because it's always like that. Remember with Bush, remember they they, 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 they were vicious with, against Romney. Bush was like a war criminal. And then, then when Trump became president, now suddenly Bush and Romney, oh, wow, they're moderates. They're so much more reasonable. They're so much more civil. And meanwhile... I mean, they destroyed Bush. It's like amazing. The media, it doesn't matter. You name the Republican candidate, the media will tear them 
to shreds. So I don't believe this, that like another Republican candidate will be more divisive. That, that's not answering the question. I'm just, I just want to make that point. But now let's get to the actual question, which is let's assume it's true. Let's assume that um, other candidates are not as divisive. You know, none of the nasty tweets, none of the January 6th, none of the baggage. So but you still get all the benefits of Trump without the negatives. Disagree. And here's why. Because nobody could do what Trump did. Trump, it's not like, yeah, there are other conservatives, Mike Pence and other conservatives, but they don't have the fortitude. They don't have the courage that it takes to do all the things. Trump did so many things that were so incredibly unpopular. He got blasted for, including within his own party and he stood his ground. He's very strong. He's very stubborn. So stubborn, I mean, in a good way. Like, you know, he like he doesn't back down, doesn't cave into the pressure. Very rarely. So all those things that Trump accomplished, I don't believe even DeSantis. And you're going to tell me, listen, DeSantis, you cannot imagine the pressure when you're getting tons of negative coverage all over the place um, by the media. Uh, you, you cannot imagine how difficult it is to withstand that pressure and do the right thing and, and, and stick to your principles. And, and I've seen this again and again. So I'm going to give you a bunch of examples over here, a bunch of examples where I, I, I believe that some of the things that Trump did, none of the other, Pence, Rubio, Cruz, DeSantis, none of them would have had the courage to do it. You know, So I don't think building a wall, remember Trump used military funding, declared an emergency to build a wall, got a lot of flack for that. Moving the embassy, oh, he got tons of flack for moving the embassy, pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. So much flack he got for that. Still does. I don't think any any other Republican would do that. Um, Operation Warp Speed with the vaccines. Whatever you think about the vaccines, however effective they were. But, uh, you know, that was something which and a lot of the things he did with COVID. Um, I, 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 a lot of other people, you know, they would have been they would have, you know, they simply wouldn't have uh, followed through. Um, not to mention when he reopened after the lockdown, he allowed the country to reopen in many states um, after the COVID lockdown earlier than a lot of recommendations by the CDC, and he got a lot of flack for that. He said, I don't care. He may have saved the country from severe, severe bankruptcy, from, you know, terrible, terrible uh, economic, as it is suffering economically here. But Trump had a major recovery very, very quickly from the lockdown, thanks to his policies. The travel ban, um, the assassination of Soleimani. Remember, remember, Congress voted against Trump. Congress basically ruled Trump vetoed it, but they like passed a bill that that he's not allowed to assassinate Iranian leaders without like permission from Congress. I mean, how insane is that? I mean, Trump did that was one of the best things Trump ever did was assassinating Soleimani, eliminating ISIS. So uh, I, I don't think. And by the way, the Abraham Accords, the Abraham Accords took a lot of wheeling and dealing with a lot of Arab countries. It was not easy at all, and, and I, all these things. Trump was under unbearable pressure. We forget now, and he said, "You know what? I don't care. It's the right thing to do. I'm doing it." <coughs> so and I can list you a lot of Republicans who I just do not think, you know, that that, that they would um, suffer through that kind of backlash and that kind of heat in order to stand by their principles. So I may be wrong. So that's my point. My point is that you could say to yourself, listen, but it's not worth it. Here's you can say to yourself, listen, Ron DeSantis would still be very conservative, much better president, better alternative than Biden. So it's worth it. I'd rather have less baggage. But I want you to know your two options. Your two options are not, well, DeSantis and, and Trump both have the same policies. They're both conservative. They're both going to have the same benefits. But Trump has the baggage. DeSantis does not have the baggage. I do not believe that the upside of DeSantis is anywhere near the upside of Trump. I've never seen a Republican president or Democrat, for that matter, you know, who's willing to stick by their principles at, at no matter no matter what the cost, no matter how much how painful it is. 
in terms of standing up to that criticism. So I, I think you could say, listen, DeSantis, he's still pretty good and no baggage versus Trump, who, yeah, Trump is very, very courageous, does all sorts of things that nobody else will do. But look at all the baggage. You can make that decision. But 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 I think it's a fallacy to say, listen, DeSantis and Trump, you're getting the same upside. But the downside with Trump is so much worse. I don't believe it's the same upside at all. Um, Trump is transformational. Trump is fearless. All right. Inflation continues to spiral out of control. 9.1%. The inflation number is just out. 9.1%. That's even higher. It's even higher. Last month it was 8.6%. Now it's 9.1% off the charts. They thought it was going down. Inflation, it's going up. Gas prices have have dropped slightly over the last couple of weeks. Don't fall for that narrative. Gas prices, they're going to fluctuate week to week. But like they're still way, way up higher than they should be and uh, not going down anytime soon. And uh, inflation, as I said, is at a whopping, staggering 9.1%. That's the highest in 40 years. And Biden's doing nothing. Biden has no policies, no game plan to tackle inflation. And it's all about his climate agenda for the most part. By the way, uh, over the July 4th weekend, you know, of course, that was when the horrific uh, Highland Park mass shooting took place. Do you know that over the July 4th weekend in Chicago, Chicago, Highland Park's a suburb of Chicago, but in downtown Chicago and south side, there were more murders. There were more murders in Chicago in the south side of Chicago over the July 4th weekend than the total number of deaths from Highland Park. And I don't want to start conflating and comparing. Every every death is tragic. Every life is precious. One death is tragic. One death is way too much, certainly. But uh, it's just like, you know, the Democrats, they just ignored it. You know, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, who's black, she goes and visits the Highland Park victims, which she should do, goes and visits Highland Park, but then she doesn't go and visit Chicago, and those are blacks. The, 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 the victims of the Chicago crime, shoot, shootings, violence are, are, are blacks. And uh, the hypocrisy, Governor Pritzker, it's just, it's just unbelievable. All right, Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Um, this is amazing. He just came out with this, Ronnie Jackson. He's came out with a new book, and uh, in his book he says that Obama actually attacked him. Obama sent him an email attacking him. Ronnie Jackson Basically, in the year 2020, when uh, Biden was running for president, uh, Ronnie Jackson said, I mean, this man's got so many blunders, so many mental issues, cognitive issues that the, the people need to know. People need to be aware. We have no idea what Biden's cognitive state is. Biden needs a cognitive exam. And by the way, Ronnie Jackson gave Trump a, cog- a cognitive test because the Democrats were claiming that somehow Trump had mental issues, which, which was absurd. Trump is extremely lucid, extremely clear, extremely articulate. So meanwhile... Ronnie Jackson says, you know, he was uh, he was literally the president, the, 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 the physician White House for George W. Bush, Obama and Trump. So let me read you from Jackson's new book here called Biden was on TV talking about 2020, making crazy statements and concerning mental gaffes. He didn't know what state he was in, what office he was campaigning for. He apparently thought at one point he was running for the Senate, later couldn't remember what state he was campaigning in. It's been going on for months and months and getting worse. And um Literally, Ronnie Jackson said that Trump never made crazy statements like the ones that Biden was making almost every day. But these people were jumping up and down. He's not fit to be president. He needs a cognitive test. Talking about the Democrats, Ronnie Jackson's comparing and he's saying Trump never said anything, anything remotely like Biden. Yet they're saying that Trump needs a cognitive test. And, uh, of course, Biden avoided cognitive uh, tests. So in 2020, um Literally, uh, Jackson retweeted a, a video of Biden's 
latest cognitive misadventure, saying, quote, remember the cognitive test I gave Donald Trump, the one that he aced? It sounds like somebody else might need some testing done. This is scary. So basically, Ronnie Jackson put out a tweet in 2020 saying, I gave a cognitive test to, to Trump because they said he needed one. He didn't. He aced it. But look at Biden. Look at all these blunders, all these gaffes. He thinks he's running for the Senate. He's not sure what state he's in. It's a scary. So within 20 minutes, Obama, he got a scathing email from Obama. Let me read you this email from Obama to Ronnie Jackson, basically attacking Ronnie Jackson, his own doctor, for alerting the country that Biden ha- might have severe cognitive issues. Here, here's, the, here's the email, quote, I have made a point of not commenting on your service in my successor's administration, and I've always spoken highly of you in public and private. You always serve me and my family well. I've considered you not only a fine doctor and service member, but also a friend. This is Obama. That's why I have to express my disappointment at the cheap shot you took at Joe Biden on Twitter. It was unprofessional and beneath the office that you once held. It was also disrespectful to me and the many friends you had in our administration. You were the personal physician to the president, as well as an admiral in the Navy. I expect better. I hope upon reflection that you will expect more of yourself in the future. So Obama's bashing. What's his problem? Ronnie Jackson is getting up there and saying, I'm a doctor. And uh, they complained about Trump. Trump had no cognitive issues. We gave him a cognitive test anyway. Biden's refusing a cognitive test, and the man clearly needs a cognitive test. Uh, all Ronnie Jackson was doing was doing his job, doing uh, fulfilling his duty, his responsibility as a longtime White House physician and saying to people, listen, this, the, 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 this is scary. This is scary. And Obama blessed him. Obama says, I have to express my disappointment at the cheap shot. It wasn't a cheap shot. Unprofessional, beneath the office, you want to sell? No, it wasn't. He was literally warning people that this is going to be the leader of the free world. And guess what? His words were prophetic almost because, I mean, look at what a disaster the country has become. If Biden was in better cognitive shape, he'd be like, he'd say to his advisors, listen, I know you're trying to push socialism here, but like the country's falling apart. But, but because Biden's nobody's home, Biden has no idea. They're letting his legacy get shot and he's, he's not able to even really comprehend it or, or, or resist it or fight back. So Ronnie Jackson says he was very flustered. He wanted to respond to Obama. But then um, Dan Bongino, who, who he's friends with, conservative radio host ben, Dan Bongino, knows, reminded him Obama did nothing. Jackson was in a Senate confirmation fight to become Trump's secretary of veteran affairs. And Obama did not help him one bit. I mean, it's outrageous that here he was Obama's physician for eight years and Obama didn't even help him when he was struggling, when, when he was trying to get Senate confirmation to be the um, Secretary of, Ve- of Veterans Affairs. So Ronnie Jackson says, forget it. I just walked away. I didn't even respond. That's the last time I had any contact with Obama. Um, and then Jackson told Fox News, quote, it's awfully ironic now considering Biden's mental fitness, fitness is all that anybody, including the liberal media, can talk about. So he says, let it be known I was the first to say we have a serious problem with this man's cognitive demise and he will not make it four years in office. I've always, I've always said there'd come a point where it just wouldn't be uh, me talking about it, but his own party. And that's proven to be the case. Joe Biden's cognitive failures are on full display because Ronnie Jackson, I mean, the Democrats, the media, uh, you know, they, they can't help it. By the way, they want Biden. I mean, uh, the Democrats want Biden to be overthrown at this point more than more than the Republicans. They want Biden to be uh, basically have the 25th Amendment invoked because that would be their best option at this point. The man such a disaster. Uh, and finally, the U.S. has spent more money in Ukraine than the first five years of the war in Afghanistan. The first five years of the war in Afghanistan. The war in Ukraine is not our war. It's not even 
a war that's being fought by the U.S. and they have spent more in Ukraine than they did in the first five years of the war in Afghanistan, which was in response to 9-11, which was our war. To date, the U.S. has spent $8 billion in military assistance. The Ukrainian army, tens of billions of dollars in military hardware are in the pipeline. But, of course, $54 billion uh, in foreign aid has been uh, earmarked by Congress to Ukraine. And here's the amazing thing. So $54 billion, that is more than five years uh, spent in the war in Afghanistan. And, by the way, I think like $9 billion out of this money is actually earmarked specifically towards salaries, military salaries. So like the Ukrainian military leaders, and then I'm sure I'm sure Zelensky is going to pocket millions of Zelensky is going to pocket millions of dollars. But it's outrageous how we're sending billion we're, we're sending billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. Meanwhile, the United States is thirty trillion dollars in debt. Uh, Inflation is out of control. People are struggling. I mean, uh, like never before. Inflation's at a 40-year high. The United States could use that money. We could use those billions of dollars for so many things, including paying back our debt, but some balancing the budget so much. But they're sending it to Ukraine, and it's like it's going to get pocketed by these military leaders. Billions of dollars are going to end up in the pockets of these corrupt military leaders in Ukraine. It's 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 outrageous. It's it's unconscionable. And uh, meanwhile, some of this money went to our NATO allies to defend Kiev. So what's amazing is we're actually sending money to, to NATO allies. Germany, France, sending money to NATO allies. Now, here's the thing. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, NATO countries have not increased their military expenditures in the war in Ukraine. So literally, the United States, you have NATO countries fighting. And instead of spending their own money, or at least, you know, defending Ukraine or sending weaponry or whatever, and... Uh, we're sending them the money to do it. The United States is sending them the money to do it. The United States is funding this war that it has really no stake in whatsoever. I know that indirectly it might help weaken Putin, but that does not justify uh, the billions and millions of dollars that are being spent. I mean, you know, you could, you could, you could, you can make that argument endlessly where there's so many wars being fought. There are so many people suffering. It's tragic. It's horrific. But the United States doesn't have just billions and probably trillions that's needed in order to, you know, get involved and intervene and and, and and be the world's policeman. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.